Hi everyone and welcome to our 6pm podcast. My name's Pete Stacey. And I'm Ben Robson and we'll be leading our time together this evening. And what's special about today, Ben? It's Mother's Day. That's worth celebrating. Uh, and what's been special about this week? I got engaged. Woohoo! That's awesome. That's worth celebrating. Um, I think it's a good opportunity for all of us to uh, support and encourage Ben and Li Lily over the coming months. That's fantastic news. Uh, wonderful. Um, thinking about your mum, uh, what's uh, something that you really appreciate about your mum? Yeah, so uh, she's loving and caring and she's selfless. And what about you, Pete? Uh, one thing I appreciate about my mum, she was always really good at encouraging us in whatever we're interested in, you know, music, art, sport, whatever it was. Uh, yeah, it really encouraged us in that way. So I appreciate that. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks, Pete. So, uh, how would you answer that question? What's one thing that you really appreciate about your mum? And so we're going to hear from several. Uh, we're going to hear from several people who answered this question uh, in our podcast this evening, and we have several mums involved as well. Before we begin, let's pray. Dear Father, thank you for your great love for each of us, and today we give you special thanks for the love we have experienced through our mums. We rejoice with the new mums among us, and thank you for the gift of life. We ask you to strengthen the mums with growing families and all the challenges that brings. We ask you to comfort those who have lost a child or a mother, or, or the dream of being a mother. We ask you to bring healing where there are difficult relationships or past hurts involving mums. We thank you for the many women who are like a mum to others, nurturing, encouraging and loving those around them. And we thank you, dear Father, uh, for showing us all what love looks like. I pray that you help us to continue to learn from you tonight. In Jesus' name, Amen. I love my mum because she makes the best in us and she's always there for us. I love my mum because she comes over and she plants things like this. And it just goes everywhere. Isn't that lovely? Something I appreciate about my mum is that she always makes sacrifices for other people um, and she always has everyone else's best interests at heart. Hi, my name's Sam, and this is my mum, Jenny, and I really appreciate my mum for her love and kindness and support, but mostly I really appreciate that she loves Jesus, and she taught me about how important that is for all of us.
Well, it's great to sing together, isn't it, Ben? Yes, especially when the drums are good. Yep, thanks, Luke, and uh, Max, and Sarah, and Caitlin as well. Uh, what, a, what a team, what a great team we're blessed with. Uh, now, Ben, you mentioned before about your mum being very caring. What did that look like when you were little? Yeah, so uh, she was very caring when I was sick, and also when I was sad, and at the times where it got tough. Okay. So, thinking about that, um, I know school, uh, you had some tough times. Um, t tell us a bit about that. Yeah, so, I like school uh, most of the time. Uh, I, had, uh, I have learning difficulties and was in a special support unit. Uh, and I struggled a lot with uh, processing instructions and reading and a little bit of writing. Uh, and I was kind of told and convinced that I wouldn't be able to get far in life and achieve my goals. So that, that must have been pretty hard. Yeah, yeah. So your, your progress in those areas, um, and I've seen how you devour books these days, yeah. um, it's really been part of your faith journey, hasn't it? Yeah. Can you share a little, little bit about that? Yeah, so um, I pray, for, I continuously pray for God's help uh, and ask Him to guide me uh, and continue to just unconditionally love me and support me. Uh, along with the support of my uh, family, my friends, and my fiance. Does that sound good? Yeah. That sounds good, doesn't it? Yeah. <laughs> you, you loved saying that, didn't you? Yeah, I did. <laughs> <laughs> now, thinking about your progress, so you struggle with reading, writing, and processing instructions. And now, I'm trying to just reconcile this with the Ben that I know from church, yeah. who has been involved in countless ministries and serving roles. What, what are some of the things you've done, like in, in recent years? Yeah, so I help out with the IT yeah. and some of the administration support. Yeah. I help out managing the website a little bit, mm -hmm. uh, our social media over on our Instagram and our Facebook. Uh, I do the sermon distribution on all the podcast platforms. Mm -hmm. I produce the PowerPoints every Sunday uh, morning and evening. Uh, do our kids ministry previously yep. at Sunday Morning Kids and currently at Cross Life Kids. Um, and I play the drums in the band in all, nearly all services, mm -hmm. uh, leading at 6pm in our Bible reading and our prayer time together. And yeah. That's a lot. Yeah. And there's probably more in there. Yeah. Um, that, that's phenomenal when you think, here's a bloke who as a younger fellow was told that you know, reading, writing, struggling, processing things, you're not going to amount to much and you wouldn't, basically you wouldn't be able to do a lot of those things that you've just described. 
Yeah. Um, it's amazing to see the way that uh, God has been uh, growing you mm. um, and your faith journey and, and the development of your practical skills in all those things. Yeah. Um, it's awesome. Um, I know just as a, a musician um, myself, uh, playing drums is hard because you've got both hands and both feet doing different things at different times. It takes a, a whole lot of practice. And you know, I think you'd agree that, that Ben really blesses us uh, with playing the drums. I know that's come about from just hard work and practice. Yeah. Um, so good on you, Ben. Really appreciate that. Um, tell us, how has your mum been a part of that journey as well? Yeah, so mum's always encouraged me to get up and give it a go and give it my best. Mm -hmm. And she always continues to pray for me, like all the time, always has been. Yep, yep, that's awesome. Um, look, thanks for, for sharing, Ben, and being vulnerable. And um, I'd like to pray for you now, and uh, then we're going to keep going. Let's pray. Dear Father, I just want to thank you so much uh, for the way you've clearly been at work in Ben's uh, life. Uh, growing him as a child of yours, uh, growing and developing all kinds of skills uh, that he's been able to use in your service uh, in the life of our church here. Uh, Father, I thank you for that promise that the good work that you've begun in him, you'll carry it on and complete it on the day of Christ. Uh, and we can see that happening and unfolding before our eyes. Thank you so much for that. Thank you for Ben's mum, Marguerite, and for her love for him. Uh, I thank you for Lily and uh, Ben and for their growing love for each other. I ask your blessing on their uh, courtship uh, and their preparation for marriage. And Father, with uh, all the rest of our time together tonight, we ask your blessing on all of us. Uh, in Jesus' name, Amen. We read in 1 John 3.16, This is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us. Let me pray. Dear God, please help us to love Jesus with our heart, our mind and our soul as we know what love is by what Jesus has done for us. Please help us to respond to that with love. Amen. Hi, it's Sue Cornford here. I'm the mother of six wonderful adult children and grandmother of 12 amazing grandchildren. And as we pray tonight, I want to begin this prayer time with a prayer of confession. So let's pray together. Our loving Father, we thank you for the great privilege we have of coming to you in prayer. As we read through the Bible passage for today, we see that you call us to be holy and to live as obedient children. But when we look into our own heart, we know that we've failed you. We've sinned in the thoughts we've had, in the things we've done, and in the things we should have done and didn't do. Father, please forgive us. We long to live lives that bring honour to your name and blessing to others. Thank you for your precious Holy Spirit who is at work in us to empower us to live lives of joyful obedience. In verse 22 of 1 Peter, you call us to love one another deeply from the heart. You have formed us into a family, and even though now, because of the coronavirus, we aren't able to be together each Sunday, help us still to be committed to loving each other. 
help us to be looking for creative ways to express that love. Thank you for John and Pete, and help us to love them through this time by praying for them regularly. We look forward to the day when we will meet together again, but until then, keep us longing to know you more deeply. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Hi, I'm Sarah. Will you continue to pray with me? Merciful and loving God, we thank and praise you for all good things. Thank you that we live in Australia and here on the beautiful South Coast. Thank you that you provide everything we need, that you care for us even more than the birds of the air and the lilies of the fields. Lord God, give us an eternal perspective. Set our hearts on things above where Christ is with you. Strengthen us with your spirit to be generous and loving. Father, we ask that as a church family, you will help us to be people committed to selflessly caring for and supporting others. Thank you for the individuals and families who already look for opportunities to show your love to their neighbours in the little things and the big things. We thank you for the food pantry and for those who offer their time and attention to the people in our community who come. We also thank you for the positive responses to the grocery drives we have had as a church to support those who are doing it tough in these difficult times. Finally, Lord, we ask that you will give us a spiritual wisdom and understanding, strengthen us with your power, so that we have endurance and patience to do your will. Fill us with your patience and joy as we seek to support others. Amen. I'm going to read to you today from 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 10, to 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 3. Concerning this salvation, the prophets who spoke of the grace that was to come to you searched intently and with the greatest care, trying to find out the time and circumstances to which the Spirit of Christ in them was pointing when he predicted the sufferings of Christ and the glories that would follow. It was revealed to them that they were not serving themselves but you when they spoke of the things that have now been told you by those who have preached the gospel to you, by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven. Even angels long to look into these things. Therefore, prepare your minds for action. Be self-controlled Set your hope fully on the grace to be given you when Jesus Christ is revealed. As obedient children, do not conform to the evil desires you had when you lived in ignorance. But just as he who called you is holy, so be holy in all you do. For it is written, Be holy because I am holy. Since you call on a father who judges each man's work impartially, live your lives as strangers here in reverent fear. For you know that it was not with perishable things, such as silver or gold, that you were redeemed, from the empty way of life handed down to you from your forefathers, but with the precious blood of Christ, a lamb without blemish or defect. He was chosen before the creation of the world, but was revealed in these last times for your sake. Through him you believe in God, who raised him from the dead and glorified him, and so your faith and hope are in God. Now that you have purified yourselves by obeying the truth so that you have sincere love for your brothers, love one another deeply from the heart. For you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable, through the living and enduring word of God. For all men are like grass, and all their glory is like the flowers of the field. The grass withers and the flowers fall, but the word of the Lord stands forever. And this is the word that was preached to you. Therefore, rid yourselves of all malice and all deceit, hypocrisy, envy, 
and slander of every kind. Like newborn babies, crave pure spiritual milk so that by it you may grow up in your salvation, now that you have tasted that the Lord is good. Well, good day, friends. I really want to start uh, by saying big thank you to all those who have contributed to the podcast over the last couple of weeks. Uh, it's been a massive team effort. I just really want to say thank you. And thanks too to John for kicking off this series. Uh, and first week we heard some really helpful background and some of the, the, the big themes of the letter. Uh, and then last week was all about the wonderful hope, the living hope that we have because of God's mercy to us in Christ. We have an inheritance that can never perish, spoil or fade, and it's kept for us in heaven. And that's wonderful. But, but what about now? What about today? Well, this passage, uh, please have it open in front of you because there's so much in it. This passage tells us how to live and what to do until we get there. Uh, as usual, uh, there's an activity sheet for the children uh, and you can find the, the link to that uh, on this post. And I know that many grown-ups take notes too because uh, it helps us listen and remember. So I've got three main headings. The privilege, outworking, we'll spend most time there, and progress. Pop! Privilege, outworking, progress. It's easy to remember. Uh, let's ask God to help us as we begin. Loving Father in heaven, please continue your wonderful work in our hearts and minds as we seek to understand your word now, in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, as the opening words make clear, this whole section of the letter is concerning this salvation. So let's begin with the privilege of our salvation. And this would have been so encouraging to the original readers of the letter, because they faced opposition in all kinds of ways. Let me just mention three. They were Gentiles, not Jews. So they're often opposed by the Jewish religious leaders uh, and told, you know, you've got to obey all the laws of the Old Testament. Secondly, Christianity was very new uh, in the Roman Empire uh, and it was a culture that didn't value new, uh, valued old and established beliefs. New is not normal. So they were often marginalised or worse, used as a political target for corrupt leaders or a scapegoat. Um, and then thirdly, uh, what Christians believed clashed with the culture around them. And I think that's increasingly where we find ourselves. Our culture is, is heading more that way. Uh, remember, they're way up in Asia Minor, so nowhere near Israel. Now, Christians, along with the Jews, they believe in one God. But Greek culture was full of different philosophies and beliefs, and, and they had lots of gods. And this brought them into conflict with the authorities. I don't know about you, I'm not feeling too encouraged yet. Where's the privilege in following Jesus? Look at what Peter now says, speaking into their situation in verses 10 to 12. He says to them, Concerning this salvation, the prophets spoke of the grace that was to come to you. The prophets, thousands of years of prophets pointing forward to this moment, to Jesus. Christianity has a very long history, going back to the prophets of the Old Testament. In this letter, Peter often quotes them uh, or alludes to the Old Testament because Jesus fulfills it. 
So, for example, verse 19, Jesus is uh, referred to as a lamb without blemish or defect. Such a familiar Old Testament picture. Jesus always was God's plan A in saving his people. Now, these prophets, look back at verse 10, they searched intently and with the greatest care to try and understand what God was telling them. A little while ago, I broke a piece of glass on our back lawn. Uh, and I've got to say, I searched intently and with the greatest care because we hardly ever wear shoes out the back. I ended up getting the vacuum cleaner out, you know, doing the lawn, and girls thought it was pretty funny. Um, but I think I found it all. But the prophets didn't. Verse 11 says, They were trying to find out the time and circumstances. It's talking about the suffering and glory of Jesus. But they couldn't grasp it. In fact, what was revealed to them is there in verse 12. They were not serving themselves, but you, when they spoke of the things that have now been told you, writes Peter. See, they, the prophets didn't get to see or, or hear or understand the fullness of the gospel, but we have. What an incredible privilege. God's plan didn't peak with the prophets in the Old Testament. It didn't peak with the Jews in national Israel. It climaxes with Jesus Christ and all who trust in him anywhere in the world. What an incredible privilege. You know, we're nowhere near Israel, but we're at the centre of God's plan for us. And in a pagan culture uh, where uh, spirituality was valued and, and often worshipped angelic beings, see what he says in verse 12, the gospel that was preached to you came how? By the Holy Spirit sent from heaven. We've got a message direct from God. And then he adds, even angels long to look into these things. The prophets wanted to understand it, and angels marvel at it, and we've got it. What an incredible privilege. You know, we don't deserve it, though, do we? And we certainly haven't earned it. It's only ours because of, see back in verse 10, grace. God's extraordinary kindness. What a privilege. Now, friends, if you want to uh, understand the gospel, be reminded of it, uh, the good news of our salvation, go back and listen to last week's message. It was about the wonderful hope that Jesus brings to our lives. It changes our eternal future and it transforms our present as well. That's why verse 13 begins with the word, therefore. He's about to tell us how our eternal salvation changes our daily living here and now. Verse 13, uh, right through to 22, is all about the outworking of our salvation. So let's have a look at it. It starts with a very funny phrase. Uh, the NIV says, with minds that are alert. But the original Greek says, gird up your loins. Kind of like, you know, pull up your pants. Well, in those days, they'd, they'd pull up their cloak and tuck it into their belt. Uh, gird up your loins and then of your mind. It's a funny combination. In the Old Testament times, they tucked their cloak into their belt so that they could run, you know, being prepared, like Elijah on his way home or Jeremiah when God called him. Um, I mean, get ready for action. Here, Peter is saying that our readiness begins with a clear and sober mind. And what are we getting ready for? Well, verse 13 continues, Set your hope 
on the grace to be brought to you when Jesus Christ is revealed at his coming. As God's people, our goal is being ready to meet Jesus. Everything in life is shaped by that. Our friend of mine is chaplain to the Australian Olympic team. Oh, they've had a hard year. We should pray for them. Uh, their hope was set on Tokyo. And that hope impacted every part of their lives. Their diet, their training, their sleeping habits, their training, what they spend their money on, their training, their social life. Did I say their training? Uh, their relationships and so on. How much more then should our daily lives be shaped by our hope of heaven? And it'll never be threatened by a virus or anything else. Have you ever heard the phrase, uh, he's so heavenly minded that he's of no earthly use? Friends, don't believe it. Now, maybe there's some people that are so focused on the trappings of, of religion, but, you know, if our lives are shaped by a focus on Jesus and where we'll be with him for eternity, will be of maximum earthly use and benefit to those around us for all the right reasons. Our lives will be radically different. Verse 14 puts it this way, As obedient children, do not conform to the evil desires you had when you lived in ignorance, but just as he who called you is holy, so be holy in all you do. For it is written, Be holy, for I am holy. Our lives were going this way. Then Jesus saved us, and now our lives are going this way. He says a similar thing in verse 17. Live out your time, that, that means your, your whole life, as foreigners here. In other words, if we seek to be holy, we'll look so different to the society in which we live because our values will be radically different. And some people will be drawn to that difference and, and they'll probably want to ask about the hope that we have, while others will view it like a ship full of coronavirus. Go away. We're not interested. We don't want it. So let me ask you, when you hear the words, be holy, what happens in your heart? Do you find yourself sort of attracted to the idea? Or do you want to sort of distance yourself a bit? Because it just sounds well, too separate from reality, too, too different to normality. It sounds a bit high and lofty and, and too spiritual or something like that, too, too unrealistic perhaps even too pure. I've got to be honest and say I've struggled with that kind of response. I've struggled with a sense of, of the bar being set so unattainably high. And then I find myself excusing little things because I, I know I'll never be perfect. I'll never be truly holy and sinless. Does anyone relate to that? I've been deeply challenged by something in this passage uh, just this week, and I want you to see it too. See verse 16, be holy, why? What's the motivation? Because I am holy, says God. God is holy, that's who he is, that's how he is. And I realise that to, to distance myself from the idea of being holy is to distance myself from the one who is holy. I don't want to do that. I'd miss the fact 
That holiness is entirely bound up in our relationship with God. And then I saw it all over the place. Verse 14 says, as obedient children. We're not just obeying a set of rules. We're being like our heavenly dad. Verse 17, since you call on a father. It's all about relationship. Verse 21, your faith and hope are in being holy. No, it doesn't say that. Your faith and hope are in God himself. So what does holy actually mean? Um, firstly, uh, it refers to God's perfect moral purity and his hatred of sin. Uh, holiness and sin are complete opposites. Sin is a ghastly smear on God's good creation and he will destroy it and he will punish sinners. So when God says, be holy, what he's saying is, be pure and get rid of sin. Secondly, in some passages, holy means uh, completely devoted uh, or, or used for God's purposes. So, for example, in the Ten Commandments, the Sabbath day is said to be holy to the Lord. Uh, the blood of sacrificed animals uh, was uh, said to be holy to the Lord, completely given to that purpose. The altar and its utensils were said to be holy because they were not used for any other purpose. So when God says, be holy, he's saying, devote yourselves wholeheartedly to living for me. Thirdly, and this is really interesting, uh, the closer you get to God, the more holy everything is. You see this really clear in the, clearly in the back half of the book of Exodus, where God gives instructions for the building of the tabernacle. It's like layer upon layer upon layer of ever-increasing value and purity and holiness. And right in the very center is the holy of holies, where God is. You know, even dirt can be made holy by God's presence. Remember when Moses saw the burning bush? What did God say? Do not come any closer. Take off your sandals, for the place where you are standing is holy ground. So if we want to get closer to God, we have to be holy. In fact, Hebrews 12 verse 14 says, Without holiness, no one will see the Lord. So when God says, be holy, he's saying, keep growing closer to me. Fourth, genuine holiness pervades every aspect of our lives. Notice how it radically impacts our relationships with other believers. Look at verse 22. Now that you've purified yourselves by obeying the truth so that you have sincere love for each other, love one another deeply from the heart. So when God says, be holy, he's saying, let it shape all of your life, especially your relationships. But there's still a bit more, fifth point, and there's a problem, and it's a really big problem. We can't do it. We simply can't be holy in our own strength by ourselves. And it's illustrated quite powerfully, I think, uh, in Isaiah chapter 6. Isaiah has this experience where he, he sees the Lord, high and exalted, 
seated on a throne and the train of his robe filled the temple. He saw the holiness of God. And there were these angelic creatures called seraphim calling to one another, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord Almighty. The whole earth is full of his glory. And then Isaiah cried out, Woe to me, I'm ruined. Why? For I'm a man of unclean lips, and I live among a people of unclean lips, and my eyes have seen the King, the Lord Almighty. Isaiah was terrified because God is holy and destroys sin. He, he wanted to be near God, but he also knew that he was as good as dead unless God had mercy and somehow saved him. Now, if you know the story of Isaiah, you'll remember that God did save him. He goes on to say this, Then one of the seraphim flew to me with a live coal in his hand, which he had taken with tongs from the altar. With it he touched my mouth and said, See, this has touched your lips. Your guilt is taken away and your sin atoned for. By God's grace, Isaiah was made holy in God's sight, able to live and serve in God's plans. Like Isaiah, we too should fear God. And like Isaiah, we too can be saved and made holy in his sight. Verse 17 puts it this way. Since you call on a father who judges each person's work impartially, live out your lives as foreigners here in reverent fear. For you know that it was not with perishable things such as silver or gold that you were redeemed from the empty way of life handed down to you from your ancestors, but with the precious blood of Christ, a lamb without blemish or defect. Praise be to God for our salvation in Jesus. You see, reverent fear is not the kind of fear that, that makes us want to run away from God. It's the kind of fear that recognises the, the power and the beauty and the greatness and the perfection of his character and recognises that the safest place is actually with him, not apart from him. See, God knows that we're stained with sin. He knows our every thought and word and, and deed. We deserve his judgment. We deserve his condemnation. We can't be whole on our own effort. But our sins were laid on Jesus so that we could be forgiven. Our guilt removed. Our sins washed away. Our lives made clean and holy in God's sight so that we can live and serve him and have a relationship with him that, that begins now and continues forever. So lastly... And briefly, let's look at the progress of our salvation. In verse 23, Peter uses the phrase born again to impress on his readers that salvation is a whole new beginning in life. We have a new relationship uh, with God and it's the word of God that brings it to us. See verse 23, if you've been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable through the living and enduring Word of God. See, without the wonderful hope God's Word provides, we're just like grass or flowers. You know, the grass withers and the, the flowers drop off. But the Word of the Lord endures forever. And this is the Word that was preached to you. Our salvation begins and continues 
as God's word takes root in our heart. And sin will always oppose it. See how chapter 2 starts. Look at that list. Chapter 2, verse 1. Malice, deceit, hypocrisy, envy and slander. It's interesting that they're all very relational sins, aren't they? I mean, how can we identify them in ourselves? How can we guard against them in our church? Verses 2 and 3. Like newborn babies, that's us. We've been given new birth in Christ. Crave pure spiritual milk. It's talking about God's word again. So that by it, you may grow up in your salvation. Now that you've tasted that the Lord is good. Friends, salvation is a wonderful privilege. Holiness in our lives is the outworking of that salvation in daily life. That's only possible because of Jesus. And the way we make progress in our salvation is by absorbing God's word and letting him shape every aspect of our lives. I think Psalm 86 verse 11 is a very fitting conclusion Teach me your way, O Lord, that I may walk in your truth. Give me an undivided heart that I may fear your name. Well, friends, let's pray. Loving Father in heaven, we thank you for the immense privilege of knowing you and being called your children. Please help us to delight in being holy because you are holy. And strengthen us to continually make progress in living as your children, redeemed by the precious blood of Christ, and shaped daily by your word. Amen. There are many things about my mother that I could share with you, but one thing about my mother was that she was constantly a sacrificial giver, always, for the family, for my father, for everybody. Steadfast. We love our mum because she's supportive of us and all we do. And because she has such a servant-hearted love for her friends and family and everyone that comes into our home. I love my mummy because she makes me happy when I'm sad. So we've been reminded tonight of God's great love for us. That he cares not just about where we spend eternity, but how we live our lives on earth. And our attitudes and our actions are completely shaped by our connection to God. That's what holiness looks like. His word guiding us so that we can grow up in our salvation. And we've had the opportunity to, to pray and reflect on the love that our own mothers have had for us. And uh, you know, when you think about it, a godly mother 
has a profound and lifelong impact uh, on the life of her children. And uh, we just want to really acknowledge that and uh, give God thanks for all the mums in our church uh, here. Um, and just a reminder for all of us that they need our support and encouragement too. So take some time now uh, to encourage each other in the comments below. And why not give someone a call this week to see how they're doing? Uh, as we come to the end of our podcast, let's pray. Dear Father in heaven, thank you that you are perfect in holiness and power and love. Thank you for the special way your love is reflected in the lives of our mothers. We honour them today and thank you for them. Thank you especially for the salvation you give to all who trust in Christ. As we draw near to you, please help us to be holy as you are holy. In Jesus' name, Amen. Amen. Have a great week.